Good morning. Welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. I'm Tony Haggerty at a Haggerty 10 Twitter handle. And it's Monday, December the 5th. Another happy Monday. I think, Sean, it's a happy Monday. And I'm joined today by, once again, Sean Martin at Sean Martin TCW Twitter handle. Good weekend, Sean. I until last night, heating wouldn't have come on again, Tony. So oh, when they say it's a happy Monday, it's a very, very cold Monday in my Monday. It's, it's not uh, going after, is it? Aye, apart from that, all good. All good. Good, good, good. Now, before we start, we'll just direct you to the ticker tape along the bottom. We've got a new offer again. It's our festive offer. And there, you, and there you see it. You can join us. Hit that subscribe button, www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. And you will get... 25% off the yearly subscription rate, which comes with, and it comes to £26 with the discount, doesn't it, Sean? And a pound for two months of full access to everything that's written on the website and everything that we do on the website. And if you'd have been looking at the website over the weekend, you would have been in for a treat, wouldn't you, Sean? Certainly would have, yep. Yeah. A uh, couple of comments on it already, Tony, if you want to, want to get a ball rolling, plugging it a wee bit. But. Okay, well, myself and Sean, if you tuned in, you will have noticed that we spoke to Martin O'Neill for a Celtic Way sit-down special, and it was an hour of absolute gold, wasn't it, Sean? Thoroughly enjoyed it, Tony. I tweeted out last night just saying it, it was by. It was by, didn't it? We it could have, the two of us could have sat there for another few hours, but we managed to go over an hour with him. Uh, which was slightly longer than, than planned, but he was very generous with his time. And, and as I said in the tweet, he, he kind of was happy to indulge us a wee bit and move away from just Celtic yeah. questions. So although primarily that's what we're there to talk to him about, uh, for instance, you, he let you ask him about Brian Clough, about uh, Spain in 82 with the, the, the Northern yeah. Ireland squad. Let me ask him about the, the role of uh, Gaelic football and his, his upbringing and stuff. And uh, he's, he's kind of historic couple of roles with the, the Northern Ireland as a player and then Republic Ireland as a manager so thoroughly enjoyed doing it and, and, and so far from the comments it seems people have enjoyed listening to it as well Helen Feeks, morning all, great interview yesterday guys, thanks very much in FS's Sunday afternoon watching the Blessed Martin what wasn't to like, if ever a man was destined to manage a club it was himself, yeah if you haven't watched it guys I, I urge you to tune in, David Gillespie, morning all need to catch up on the Martin interview, Martin interview later Martin was on plugging his book on days like these, my yep. life in football, and uh, yeah, I think if it's anything like that interview, he it will be a brilliant read. Kirsty O'Connor yep. loved it. Andrew Galea enjoyed the interview. Thanks very much, guys. Really appreciate that. You you probably gathered it myself and Sean derived a lot of personal pleasure just from sitting talking to a man like that and picking his brains and just he was a great sport. He was in sensational form. He's a legend, indeed he is, Kaiser. Interview was fantastic because I've listened to Martin forever. Such a knowledgeable man, steeped in the kind of wisdom that is very rare. Amazing upload. Thank you, Kaiser. I much appreciated. Appreciate that. So, yeah. You'll also find out where the name of that book comes from. Uh, Indeed. Part of it. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that was quite interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. Kirsty yep. O'Connor, that's my dad's Christmas present sorted by. Yes, indeed. I think a lot of Christmas presents will be sorted there. But there you have it. Now, Sean. Quiet weekend in terms of the leather belt, <laughs> not never is. Yeah, after Johnston signed on the dotted line, Celtic getting their ducks in a row. Kobayashi's mm -hmm. in, Alistair Johnson's in. That's two before the transfer window is officially three. Um, open. Peter Lobel's in as well, Tony. Yeah, but we'll, as come well. To, we'll come to that later on. We'll come yes, to that later on. But come to that. I, Alistair Johnston, yep, yep. And he spoke about once again, Sean, 
the magical Ange Postacoglu phone call, which we mm-hmm. spoke about last season when uh, transfer targets were were asked to come and join the club. There's something in that phone call. I, I want a phone call from Ange. I really do. I, I think. It's I don't great. know because if he's phoning a member of the press, Tony, it's probably not going to be good news, is it? But. Uh, it's becoming uh, it's becoming their version of the wardrobe, and every every um, yes, every yes. signing that's made has to talk about the the first phone call when I'm supposed to call you. We sit all the time talk about your wardrobe, but I I mean it's only natural, I suppose. But um, for me, the the big thing that was in that release wasn't necessarily the the quotes about the phone call. It was the fact that it's yet another guy on a five year deal putting him into the putting him into the Jota and Haxabanovich bracket twenty twenty seven. Yeah. Which is just again when you I never actually done it this time. Usually I tweet out a, a big <laughs> list, just just a big list of all the, the players that are trying to under contract 2026, 2027, just because it's great reading. Uh, I never done it this time, but it is it's still great reading and it's uh, very much to the club's credit, I think, that um that they continually get these deals tied yeah. down to the, the kind of security that I keep talking about. Yes, that security thing you mentioned, which I, I sometimes struggle with, but I know what you mean, yeah. <laughs> but he just seemed genuinely delighted to have joined the club, and he, he certainly yeah talking about the club and the ambition that Anne sold them and the fact that they're doing well in Europe, all that. He alluded to all that, so two in before the window opened, Sean, are we expecting more? Eh, sounds like it. Sounds like it. It sounds like they're, they're scouring all over the place for uh, for people We'll see because I don't think there's any mad rush, but at the same time, no. if an opportunity crops up, look what happened last January. Matt O'Reilly ended up coming in uh, after the yeah. after the original. Yes. Uh, so, aye, there's there's diamonds to be found uh, even in January. Patrick McLaughlin saying we will be announcing our 2024 January signings next September. It's getting earlier every season. Fair enough. Um, nice. aye, there's, there's plenty of names being bandied about Tony, isn't there? We talked about yes. uh, Joe, uh, South Korean striker the other day. There's, there's plenty. There's plenty going about just now. Well, as always, I'm kind of reluctant to pull the trigger on a an in-depth scout report until things get firmed up a <coughs> wee bit. I have yeah. now pulled it on Cho. Um, okay. Something Stuart, Stuart Ross is going to be doing something uh, on on Cho. Uh, so keep your eye out for that. But in general terms, this Alistair Johnston. Signing when Ange Postecoglou was asked about, it, I know we talked about what Alistair Johnston was saying, but what Ange Postecoglou said, uh, can I peak Manchester a wee bit? He kind of said he's keen to come across, take his career to the next level, all that kind of stuff, which you'd expect. Uh, but he did reference that kind of character thing again. So he said he would be a great fit, fit in the dressing room uh, before he said that he'd add something to the football team. Right, uh, which so. kind of changed with what he says to you, Tony, when you were asking him about. Uh, yeah. Like a profile for a sign, and he kept coming back to the character, the, the the kind of character that you are, rather than just the kind of footballer you might turn out to be. That kind of thing. Um, he did mention that he's predominantly right side of the defence. Uh, he said he's good technically, good going forward, but he did like that he's a good, strong competitor. Didn't mind the physical aspects, and that's good, I suppose, when you're coming to Scottish football. So yes, very much so. Yeah, and again, you you highlighted it there. He is he is big in bringing in the right person, hasn't he? Yep. The right fit, the right kind of character, and the right kind of people. So, uh, it is it is a stick, as they say, but he he certainly he certainly kept consistent with that, hasn't he? That he doesn't want to bring yep. in somebody that might be, I don't know, kind of disruptive element in that dressing room because it's, it's quite a harmonious dressing room. Aye, aye. Certainly from the outside looking in, and all the players get on well. So, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, so everything else, we we got a glimpse of him in the World Cup. We were impressed enough, so we'll see what he brings to the table. If he can get a game, Sean, first and foremost. Well, that's that's the key, isn't it? That's the key, yeah. because there's two people ahead of him in the pecking order for the, for the right-back position, and two guys... All right, Josip Juranovic, by all accounts, we, we all kind of agreed that he's been off the boil for a, a wee bit now in, in general terms. But Tony Ralston, when he's played, and he has he has played enough. He's played, what was it, 800-odd minutes, which isn't as much as he'd probably like, but still mm. is a substantial amount of minutes. And he's been fantastic virtually every time he's been on. So it's not going to be easy for Alistair Johnston to get a game. Indeed, indeed, it won't be. You're right. Uh, that's, and that's if... Juranovic is still there coming the end of this window. All sorts of speculation about him and others. One of them being George's Jack Amakis, Sean, who we talked about uh, yep. the other day when the story broke in one of the papers that there was kind of a Celtic and his representative's valuation of him were poles apart. But mm-hmm. Anthony Joseph from Sky put up a tweet on over the weekend and he said, well, actually... Joshua, you're not, not sorry, not Joshua, George Jackamakis is perfectly happy at Celtic and he wants an amicable solution to these contract talks. So we kind of erred on the side of caution in that one, didn't we, Sean? And sort of said there was kind of agent talk driving it, stuff like that. So we didn't we didn't go studs up, let's put it that way. We were kind of trying to connect dots. So yeah. there seems to be two different narratives playing out here, but the truth, truth lie if they're somewhere, eh? Yeah. Um, I, yes, I, when we were talking about it and then we wrote the kind of panel article, me you and about it the other day, giving our own thoughts, not, none of us really went too far in the direction of thinking, right, this is spot on, he's, he wants out, that kind of thing. Yes. It, it, it was kind of widely understood that this is, a, it was a kind of negotiating tactic in a way. I obviously pointed out the other day, I don't really think that negotiating tactic's a, a wise one, um, given what Ange Postacoglu said at the AGM about being more aggressive. I dare say that the attitude might have been rather than right. Here's your extension. Here's your here's your rise. It might have been right. Oh, you want to go? Right, no bother. We'll find a suitor for you. That kind of thing. Uh, but Tony's tweet, um, that kind of that kind of I think is probably more akin to where things will be yeah. on a realistic and a realistic um, kind of uh, thinking because. Nothing that you've seen for Yakimaka suggests he does want to go. Ange Postecoglou said, "As long as a player's performing, they'll be in." Uh, and I think that's I think that's the two things that you're going to need to consider over the next couple of weeks. I don't expect to see him anywhere but at the park for uh, for Celtic. So we'll see. And you've, let's not forget, it was Sky Sports as well tweet, tweeted out and, and, and reported at the start of November. I think it was that uh, Leila Bada, but also Georgios Yakimakis was in discussions over a new deal. So the new deal in terms of there being talks, wasn't new information. Uh, the the kind of new information part was the supposed reported development that he wasn't happy and he was willing to go. That that was the kind of thing. And we've already agreed that we think that was mostly an agent tactic, that kind of yeah. thing. So, um, no. so I suppose what I'm saying is I, I, I don't think there's anything to really panic about until there's something to panic about, Tony, um, is what I, is I'm taking from it. Um, it also mentioned that Tony Joseph also mentioned that Juranovic uh, has talks of tourism after he returns from Qatar, which which makes sense as well. Yeah, um, you, you see where you stand with players after that. Uh, the Abada thing is, uh, is I know he never mentioned Abada on that one, but it was mentioned in the same report as Yakimakis's contract talks back in November. 
I've not really seen any update on that, Tony. I don't know about you. Um, no, I haven't. But his deal is also until 2026, by the way, so no, no real rush on that either. Yeah, uh, But his in particular would be one I, I would like to see get a, get maybe a, a wee refresh given his age and his rising stock. Sure. Now, just want to flick this up. B comes in and says, Tony, the Celtic regime called the one that 1888 shirt back. Well, actually, it's not our Celtic shirt. It's old school Benetton rugby shirt. For those of you who remember the brand Benetton, indeed, Back to the Future, very old, old school reference, your old dad there. So there you have it. It's not a Celtic shirt, it's a Benetton rugby shirt. It's again the white colours, but there you have it. It's in the wardrobe that shirt, so I dug it out today, but there you have it. So, yeah, Sean, I'm, I'm, as we spoke about the other day, I'm fairly relaxed about the deals. Mm-hmm. For these players because of what you say the the fact that they're on long-term deals and i was pretty relaxed about jack and marcus i did think that at some point they were going to have to come together again and i made the point that they'll thrash out an amicable solution to this because i don't think any of the parties are particularly unhappy no you know so not not to not to my knowledge and not uh, the way jack and marcus is and the way he, he busts a gut when he plays and then when he comes on in games, if, if he's a substitute. So, yeah, I, I think there'll be an amicable solution to that. And I don't think Jack and Marcus will leave the club in the window. There may be a bit of sabre rattling by someone. Potentially, aye. Um, there's a few comments related to the Akimakis thing here. Um, Angelo Tyro saying he still he would like to see Cho still coming in uh, regardless. Uh, there's a couple of comments saying if. Cho does come in, then does that make it more likely Yakimakis leaves? But then you've got Michael Ross coming in with a decent comment saying, or a decent thought saying, trying to keep three international strikers happy when Ange plays one up front would be difficult, which is a fair point. Uh, Tony, I think I, I think that is that's I think a, a comment. That is a fair point, but I still think you need three. Well, that's what Andrew, Andrew Gilly is saying. You need competition. Yeah. Just two. And, and I think that keeps everybody on their toes and keeps them at the top of their game because they all want to play, don't they? Mm-hmm. So even if they're not playing and they're coming on to make an impact, then they will, as I say, bust their gut to make an impact. So And I, I think that's well, that has been evident so far. I think so. I, I do take his point, though, Michael, that um, if everybody's fit, which is sometimes easier said than done, to be fair, mm-hmm. and this, this is why maybe you do need a third option that's, that's a senior third option, Um but if everybody's fit, he does play one up front, which means the minutes are going to be sparing. And yeah. already so far, you see who's the first choice and who's the second choice. Yakimakis's minutes aren't a starter's minutes in, in the sense that he is getting a lot of minutes, but he's not necessarily getting a lot of starts. Uh, Kyogo is the first choice when he's fit. Where does a third striker fit into that? Do you know what I mean? And it's all right saying, right, well, Andrew will see them in training and, and if, they, if they take their chance, they'll get their minutes. But Michael's got a point. One striker position with three. It will make it more difficult. I I do take that point on board. Of course it is. And that's how how unrest starts and strikers uh, become unhappy. Mm. Because all they want to do is bust them out and score goals. And if they're not getting a chance to do that, then they can take the nip, you know, and take this, you know, get get Mm -hmm. riled by that and get angry and get upset and maybe go and speak to a newspaper or an agent or whatever, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I can 
understand maybe if Jackie Marcus in passing that said something to somebody that he's not getting enough minutes. Human nature, isn't it? Hey, Cutting Rock saying, isn't the third option striker to bring Rocco Vata on? I wrote about this in, uh, just before they were going to Sydney, that it was a Sydney, the Sydney Super Cup might have been a decent chance for Rocco Vata, not to, not in terms of the games themselves were overly important or anything, but to, to put himself in, I suppose, to Colgo's thinking with what game time he did get, but also with the, being away with the first team. These players, as he's mentioned before, the B team fill in and, and, and come and train with the first team as it is. So these guys do get a chance to improve, uh, to kind of prove themselves to Ashposh to Coglu. But what I would say is the third option to, is to bring Rocco Vata on only, mate, only is an option if he's in the matchday squad for the senior team. That's not always the sure. case. Um, that then throws up, I, I suppose, Tony, a debate about the strength of the bench because there is a lot of options on the bench. Yeah, A lot of them being midfield options. But usually one of Yakimakis or Kyogo will be on the bench as well. And Andrew Galea came in with a comment at the side saying two strikers get game time. That's true. 16-30 though, 65-25. That only really yeah. suits one, you would say. Of course. Yeah, yeah. That suits the starting striker, doesn't it? To be fair, that's, that's not being about the bush with that one. That's, that's fair enough. But no, I... And I like Rockovata from what of Same, yeah, really. Rockovata and I, I, I wouldn't be... Averse to that, but I still think if we bring in another striker, then a lot of Celtic supporters would be very happy in that uh, in the window. So that remains to be seen, and it also remains to be seen if Cho will come with heavy links. Yeah, you, know, you say hold off on the. Yep, as I say, Stuart's going to be filing something. Might be the day, might be the morrow it goes up, but he'll, he'll be filing something. And, and as always with Stuart, it will be it will be in depth. It will be yeah, considering yeah. how how well he'll fit, how well he might fit, how well he yes. should fit. Uh, what he's done so far and the kind of player profile he could bring. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Now, one of you, of Sean and Aidan, is going to be right today, Sean. Uh, yep, yep. Uh, the furthest Celt in the tournament. Sadly, Aaron Moy and Cameron Catlin-Vickers, mm-hmm. but the dust with America and Australia both going out. Uh, so today, it's Croatia, Japan mm-hmm. and Dyson Maida or Josip Juranovic is guaranteed to be in the last eight of the World Cup and we applaud them for that mm-hmm. and we wish them both well. Remind us who you've got, Sean, Dyson Maida? I've, uh, yes, as I often do, I've thrown a lot in with Dyson Maida. Uh, listen, at the end of the day, I'll be happy for either of them that, that gets to the quarterfinals, <laughs> obviously, but for, for purposes of me being right in that predictor, uh, yes. with so many wrong answers, I must say, um, then uh, I, I'm, I'm throwing a lot in with, with Maida again. My predictor's gone in the bin. To be fair, so mm. yeah, yeah, we'll just leave that there. Yeah. But, As you uh, say, about Tony over the weekend, Aaron Moy went out. Uh, another good display from Australia. Another fighting display from Australia. Because yeah. I, I was kind of talking to talking to you about this at the weekend. Uh, that it's a completely different type of game that you're 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 playing well in, if you know what I mean, than yourself yeah. compared to Australia. Uh, but they have been playing well. They have they have done themselves a credit. Um, sad to see them go home, but. Uh, they've come out it with with many new fans. I think they've come out with a lot of plaudits, certainly. And they didn't lose to any ordinary national side, did they? No, they didn't. No, they lost to a Messi-inspired Argentina, which is no shame. A Messi-inspired Argentina who could go all the way. Could go. I could go. I think. I still think they're going to need to improve slightly. Yeah, so do I. But I do think. Uh, I do think the Messi in your ranks. You've got every chance. But yep. Uh, Aaron Moy has enjoyed a very good World Cup, Tony, I would say. Uh, oh, no, Vickers, on the other hand, went out 
on Saturday, despite not being picked uh, to play from the start for, for America for the second game running, or would have been a second start running, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, America America went out, um, but nonetheless, he's one game that he did play, he played really well in. Uh, he got into the squad, which when he, he first came to Celtic was part of the kind of longer-term plan. That came to fruition. He's going to be in the thinking, I think, more and more, rather than less and less, despite the fact he only played one game at this World Cup, Tony. Without a doubt, I, you know, and he played a very good game, and it'll be all the better for the experience of just taking it all in and being part of that. You know, mm-hmm. players learn, don't they? You learn playing against the best players in the world at, at any level. So I, I think mm-hmm. he'll he'll return refreshed and he'll be raring to go. I would have thought Cameron Carter Vickers, and uh, yeah. yeah, he'll be he'll have enjoyed the experience. He'll have wanted more game time, of course, but. Mm-hmm. Again, I think USA are also a, a national team that are building. And I think they're on the up, yep. Yeah, and there'll be other tournaments for them in the future, and I'm sure Cameron Carter Vickers will be part of it. He's got a wee taste for it. He'll want more, and if he wants more, then he'll he'll keep constantly bringing his A-game, which is good for Celtic moving forward. Yep, uh, it was the Netherlands that went through instead, Tony, meaning uh, Jeremy Frimpong, who still isn't getting a game either, but Jeremy Frimpong lasts another few days at least for those uh, partial mm-hmm. FIFA payments. Yes. Um, speaking was... of which, by the way, Olivier and Cham came off the bench on Friday when uh, Cameroon beat Brazil. Oh. Did, you, yes. did you notice that? Um, fair play to him. I mean, they went out anyway, which <laughs> beating Brazil and going out must have been quite a hard one to take, but ah. they went out anyway, mind you, so no further dosh from him, but as I said yeah, uh, last week, and I'll, I'll try and post a link again to it, but I, I retweeted it the other day as well. Um, they are on to uh, make a few a few extra bob because four of their own players, Celtic, uh, got through the, the knockout stages, but also from Pong got through as well. So, uh, as I say, it's not quite as easy as I see. I still, to this day, still three weeks or two weeks into the tournament, still seeing a lot of this is how much Celtic are making and just totally not reading past the first line which says $10,000 per player per day and then just not reading any of the caveats. Uh, it's not quite as much as some some information articles will, will lead you to believe, but sure. nonetheless, it's still, if you said every little helps last week, that's still my, that's still my view course. on it. It's still it in, the, in the coffers. So. This is bonus money for Celtic, isn't it? The fact that they've got yep, so, many, <coughs> so many representatives there and and they're playing and doing well or, or at least coming on and making appearances. So, yeah, I, I think it's a... Uh, it's just wonderful the fact that mm-hmm. they've got so many with the link yeah. and the connection and also uh, first team players. Yeah, I mean, you get the partial, you get the partial payment for from Pong, but you get another full. Well, not actually full because they've been. I'm just victim of my own, uh, my own <laughs> logic there. Uh, not not actually a full payment because although they're Celtic players, they've not been at Celtic for the last two years. Sure. So either of Juranovic or Maida will still get you more money later on. Um, for at least an extra few days now, uh, depending on what one goes through tonight. But you never know after that, one of them could still be in it. Of course. Uh, listen, to you, would you bet against any of them going further? Well, Croatia were finalists last time, so you, yes. you definitely cannot bet against them. I have all, essentially, I have bet against them by saying my Ida should go through. But, uh, but I, uh, one of them, once you get to that stage of quarterfinals, you, you just never know. You never know. So, yep, we'll see. Indeed. Now, we talked about it earlier and we'll address it now. Mm-hmm. Mr. Lowell returned. Yep. Uh, on yep. Friday, Sean. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. 
indeed. So what? What's no. your? Go on, non-exception. I was just going to say I returned. Uh, they announced that very quietly. I would yeah. say. Uh, but yeah, non-executive chairman. He's a. Mm -hmm. uh, He's um sorry, I got a message here. Uh, non-executive chairman, yep. Uh, theoretically, Tony, theoretically that role is almost a a conduit between the, yes. the, the chief executive and the board in terms of taking what the, the CEO is implementing and then presenting it to the board rather than necessarily running things himself. The questions about the recruitment process are, are fair ones, I would say. You you'll know what I'm talking about. There's there's been uh, the discourse is what was the process for, for reappointing a, a former director, that kind of thing. Um, the fact that it comes just weeks after the AGM in particular, I think are, I think these are all fair questions. There is, Tony, no kind of legal distinction between a non-executive director and an executive one when it comes to Companies House and the way that they're registered. So in practice, we'll need to see how things play out in that regard. What I will say is, and I mean, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but what I will say is Peter Lawwell's role in and the financial stabilisation of the club might be unsexy, but it was pivotal. Uh, I think you need to be fair with these things. There's a yeah. reason Arsenal were once chasing him. He signed off on keeping big players on an extra season to go for 10 in a row, so it didn't work out. You can't exactly level that criticism at him, because he did, he did keep them on. Uh, where a lot of fans, and again, Tony, you might disagree with this, but where a lot of fans that I spoke to are particularly discouraged by it is kind of the perceived indifference of the club towards fan protest during that COVID season. And, yes. then, and then hanging on to Neil Lennon a bit too long and going for 10 in a row. Uh, that, I would say, is a trust that is quite hard for people to win back. So that, on top of the fact that there's a perception of maybe undue transfer haggling, he got that reputation, not pulling the trigger on some key deals at key times. That's obviously always been a criticism, but the way that I'm looking at it, questions about recruitment aside is that given there's not been a problem with Michael Nicholson at the helm in those areas <coughs> so far, I suspect it shouldn't mean that there's one created going forward now either and we'll, we'll, we'll need to just see how it plays out in the next few months. I think most Celtic fans want them to remain hands off don't they? Yeah, and I would think, I would think the so. The non-executive part of that being stressed and as you say, moving forward we will see what his involvement is. I've, I've always been happy for Peter to to lobby UEFA and be a voice for Celtic in the corridors of power at, at European football. Mm. I've always been very happy with him in that because he has a powerful voice to do last to him and as you say, he, he, had, he has done a lot of good things at Celtic and I think that's one of them that they were always involved in top level discussion about where Europe, European football was headed mm. and I still think he's got a vital role to play in that I think now, uh, I think if he was to get involved with Michael Nicholson and Ange and all that and muddy the waters and, and stuff, I think the Celtic fans would find that pretty unpalatable. I just think that uh, the, the non-executive role, if, as long as it stays like that, mm. uh, I think the fans will be okay. They'll be wary of it, but they'll accept that as long as the, the, yeah. the, the things still rolling along the way they mm. said. Mm. The way I think there. we... To, to kind of put the, the focus back on the guy actually in, in the role, not I was going to say the role that matters because they all matter and, and there's no getting away from the fact that Peter Lawwell used to used to be the chief executive, is now not, is now going into non-exec chairman territory. But Michael Nicholson so far, I don't think you'll find anybody that, that's not been happy with Michael Nicholson since he yep. got the role on a full-time basis. 
Uh, you can ask questions maybe about the, the club silence on the Bernard Tiggins thing in terms of engaging with fans. That was when he was just in it, just the interim chairman. When he since he has got that role, transfer windows especially Tony. But generally, the way that they're going about yep. their business of getting people in key positions within the club as well, I don't think you'll find anybody that's really genuinely got a criticism of Michael Nicholson so far. So with that in mind, again, the recruitment process and and, and stuff about Peter Lawwell's return as a, a non-exec chairman aside. But in terms of how much power will he wield, I think you're almost doing Michael Nicholson a disservice because as chief executive, he's done a really good job so far and I don't see a suggestion that that will change. Uh, yeah, correct. And I think he has to be lauded for the job that he's done so far. And again, we go back to it, we keep talking about, and Ange talks about it as well, that Celtic are finally acting like a big club. And we've yep. seen instances of that over the past couple of transfer windows with Michael Nicholson there and and the manager there and you know he used his fs says it was a good point because and used these words himself guys are saying in business selling all the powerhouse and the halls of fifa and yeah for that's what i was saying as well uh, and i think he he's good for celtic in that respect fs says celtic are being agile and aggressive in the market happy to see how it goes well that's the terms that Anne's used and i think everybody's happy to see the way celtic are progressing uh, we just need to wait and see what happens with Lowell's return, Sean. I, I think uh, to wildly speculate about this, that, and the next thing is exactly that. It's wild speculation. We will see what happens, yep. and we will see yeah. what, what the man, how the man performs in the role that he's been given. People might not like it, but Peter Law has returned as non-executive chairman, and we wait and see what ha- what happens moving forward. But it ain't broke at the minute, Sean. In terms yep. of the yep. CEO and the manager and all the stuff that's happening at the club just now, so I'm working on that premise myself. If it ain't broke, it doesn't need fixed. Yep. Okay, though. Um, there's a few comments coming in, Tony. Uh, Go on. Some very, some very sensible comments, to be honest. Uh, Kaiser, <laughs> for instance, established a fair exchange of views with fans in the board. I think that makes sense. That's always made sense. The club, yep. to be fair to them, has made kind of strides into, into engaging with fans, mostly the fan media side, rather than rather than what I would call kind of a normal fan forum type thing. But nonetheless, that, that that's to be lauded. Um, there's plenty of comments coming in just basically saying what you said, that you'd, <coughs> they'd like to see Peter Lowell remains, remain kind of hands-off, even though he's, he's, he's in this yeah. new role. Yeah. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just say it again. I just think I'll try concentrating the Michael Nelson aspect. <laughs> He has been doing a, a very good job as chief executive so far, and uh, I don't see a reason that will change if uh, if everything else remains equal. With, even with Peter Lawwell's return, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think uh, I think that's fair comment. Mm-hmm. To be fair, now another subject matter, Sean, that came up this morning was Kyogo did an interview. Yeah, he was talking about his ambition and the fact that he didn't get called up for Japan. But mm-hmm. he says he's still driven to win as many trophies as he can for Celtic and score as many goals as he can, which is uh, good to know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah uh, that, uh, it was good to know. Uh, the interview was uh, on The Athletic with erstwhile uh, Celtic way columnist Owen Brown, actually. It was a decent read. Um, I'm going to pick one quote out for you, Tony, and you'll know right away, you'll be able to know right away why I've picked this one. Yeah. And amongst the other kind of stuff about just want to keep scoring and playing, etc., etc. This quote is uh, 
a secure goal. He says, during our attacking phase or at throw-ins, we don't want to get into resting mode. We stay in active mode. And if we keep our intensity high, it will be difficult for our opponent to stay focused for 90 minutes. My goal of the season, Tony, last term, remember? The chest finish, chest finish from the quick throw-in. Um, he scored some belters right before and since, but that's still yeah. up there for me. And I don't need to tell you, and I probably don't need to tell everybody else listening because I went on about it before, but as I wrote about last year, it's not necessarily the finish itself or even the movement for the goal part. Uh, but even just before it, when he's raring to go into that box in case Turnbull takes the throw on even quicker than he does. And I just it just stuck out to me that bit that he's still talking about the, the kind of even at throw-ins, he doesn't want to switch off. And I think Kyogo more than anybody else doesn't switch off in that scenario. I know you're not meant to. None of the rest of the players are meant to be switching off, but I think Kyogo's still that wee split second faster than the rest in terms of identifying where even even a, a throw-in can yeah. become a scoring opportunity. And that Aberdeen goal, or the goal against Aberdeen, sorry, at Pataudry, in the immediate uh, kind of phase preceding it. I mean, it was a very quick throw. It was already a quick yeah, throw. Yeah, yeah. But if he didn't bounce the ball and catch it first, if he just took the throw in before he bounced it, Kyogo was already, he was already seen it. He was already willing to go into that box. And all right, he still took a quick throw and he crossed it in it and he got it anyway. But aye, it's, uh, that, that wee bit stuck out to me just because of the throw in mention. I also think as well, most people will go back to his two goals in the League Cup final. Yeah. He was, he was switched on for both finishes. The, the, the equaliser less than a minute before Hibs to take after Hibs to take the lead. Made mm-hmm. the run and, and yeah. buried it, you know, and uh, just things like that. And but I, I know I said it was good to know in terms of the fact that he's motivated. I, I just meant in terms of that he never spoke about his disappointment about being omitted from the Japanese squad. He didn't dwell on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he said uh, it, it's motivation to you know to make him you know perform better at club uh-huh. level and and that's what I like, Sean. There was no moping. He said he hadn't really seen Dyson media. He congratulated him. Mm-hmm. And you know, so and he said he, he his focus was on the next Celtic game, which was not obviously not for a while. So Yeah, I think the the, the interview was from before the, the, the World Cup, but I I agree with you. I think it's it's a great attitude to have. It doesn't surprise you really when you, you no. see the kind of player that he is and stuff. But um he did uh, he did kind of hint at his future plans being retiring. Sometime after he's 35, he might play longer than that, depends how he feels, but he's certainly going to get to 35, he said, and then see how he feels. Now, given, I mean, don't get me wrong yet, his fleet of foot, he is quick, but yep. primarily he's, he's cerebral, is, is, is the word I would use to, to yes. describe him. So, as a, a very clever player with his movement, there, there's no reason, touch wood, fitness, serious injury aside, there's no reason you can't see him playing as long as he wants to in terms of in terms of that being his, his main selling point. Both Kyogo and Maida are just defensive pests. I'm mm. sorry, pests for defences. The yeah. defence is nightmare because they never let up. They don't switch off, as you say. They're constantly on the move. Trying. I mean, I, you look, lose count of the number of times Kyogo makes runs and it takes a special player to find them, i.e. a Jota, a Matt O'Reilly, a Callum McGregor, somebody who is in tune with that. Mm. But he, he, he never stops running. He never stops trying to make angles and receive a pass or to go through and goal and I, I go back to the Livingston goal with the inverted fullback and Greg Taylor pushed forward and he just made a run and and it wasn't it, I would say it was a half chance but he buried it mm-hmm. he got it out of his feet and he buried it because he created space because of his quick thinking again same type of goal 
that you talk about with the chest at Petodic. It's a quick movement. It's a quick mm -hmm. thinking. He's mm -hmm. on the move. As soon as Taylor got the ball, he was on the move, offering him something through the lines. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love his single, yeah. I love his yeah. single. Yeah, I, I, that's what I like about Kyogo. He's always looking, scanning. And, he, mm -hmm. and as I say, he'll always make runs. He might not always get the ball, but he's always yeah. thinking, playing on the shoulder of the last defender and trying to create that bit of space. And when, and when you've got a player like that, then I think that the more and more players that can tune into it in your midfield and your defence, then you know mm. they realise what an asset he is. Um, Got to put that up, Tony. Would, would you make is that unfair? Brown Warrior saying, I bet he done nothing in Europe. Yeah, I mean, he didn't score that that much as a fact. He didn't score, and they should have scored uh, just when you look at his expected goals and stuff. He had good enough chances to score, but overall, Tony, do you think he done nothing in Europe or was his performances maybe? Decent enough without hitting the target. I think his performances were decent enough without hitting the target. But go back to the the manager said this group of players are playing for the first time at that level. Mm -hmm. so you have to adapt. You have to, you know, you can't just throw them in and say right perform because you are taking a step up in class in terms of the opposition you're playing. Yeah, Celtic had high hopes in the group, but it quickly became apparent that every team in that group was decent. And of a standard where you were in a game, and uh, yeah, and I don't think for a minute that Kyogo will be happy with his own personal performance and not scoring in the Champions League. So, I, I, I guess going back to his comments, I think that remains a motivator to get back and show yeah. what he maybe didn't show in the first year of playing in the Champions League. But you know, the managers told everybody that this was a lot of guys. This was their first crack. At playing at that level and in order to become better players and improve at that level then you have to do it on a repeated basis so I would rather judge a lot of these same players next season if they're fortunate enough or they qualify mm -hmm. again for the group stages of the Champions League so everything else that that was the unknown for Celtic first mm -hmm. time around at that level if, the, if you keep that core and nucleus of players and they win the title again and they go straight back in uh, at the end of next season, well, next season, then I'll be, I'll be more, I'll appraise them more in terms of what they should bring to the table this time round. Yeah, I don't know if your dog is uh, disagreeing with you or agreeing with you, Tony, but <laughs> it's going absolutely tonto because somebody's walked by the window. Don't <laughs> oh. get me wrong, I know that, I know that feeling. Mine's is up the stairs, so. Um, Aye, I think, Tony, we've went for nearly a full half of football here. Uh, but keep in mind that, what did we say earlier on? Martin O'Neill, there is a... Yes. That's, on the, that's on the channel. There's several Martin O'Neill pieces on the website for you to enjoy. There's also... Uh, James Daly has done a, a, an analysis of kind of a few things. He, he's got a concept, James, that's expected trophies. I kind of play on words to do expected goals and stuff, but it more looks like it looks at a combination of off-field and on-field stuff. So staffing costs, wage bill, um, relative to performance and stuff. And he's kind of revisited that and looked at uh, basically how far the Celtic Wage Pill guarantee success, which is an interesting kind of study. That's on the website today. There'll be another couple of things up later this afternoon. Newsletter will be going out. Uh, as I say, keep keep your eyes peeled for uh, Stuart Ross's article on Cho. And uh, we've got plenty of stuff coming, Tony, plenty of stuff. Indeed, yes. Uh, <clears throat> the Martin O'Neill stuff, if you haven't read all the stuff on the website, I encourage you to do so. 
if you haven't watched the interview, watch it. It's it's brilliant. It's a, a great way to spend an hour. Mm-hmm. Sean has just put the link there. Well, more than just a podcast, indeed. And the ticker tape running along the bottom tells you that. You subscribe to the Celtic Way uh, festive offer. <coughs> it sees you get 25% off the yearly rate, which takes that to £26, which is a good deal in itself. But if you subscribe, you can get a pound. It's just a pound for two months of full access for everything yep. that's written on the website. And all you have to do is hit that subscribe button, which we urge you to do every day, www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. We thank everybody that's done that already. Yep. We enjoy the toing and froing and the, the chat in the comment section every day. We try our best to flick up as many comments and have a debate around them as possible. But it's a... Uh, a wonderful wee community that we have built up here, Sean, and yep. uh, we just take that. Uh, we're pretty humbled by it, to be fair, but it's just wonderful every day waking up, talking about Celtic, and everybody getting involved and having their own say. And we don't take ourselves that seriously either, do we, Sean? Are we trying only as seriously as we need to take ourselves, guys. Have a happy Monday. Thank you, yep. Andrew. Appreciate that. We'll do it all again tomorrow, but somebody's going to be right, Sean, between you and Aidan. Dysner Yossip's going to the quarterfinal of the World Cup. Good luck to the both of them. Hope you enjoy that game as well, guys, if you're tuning in to watch that. Hope you enjoy the Martin O'Neill interview if you watch that. And if you've watched it already, thanks very much. We appreciate that. Mm -hmm. But also log on to the website and read the articles as well because they're great. All right. Take care. Thank you, Sean, for your your opinions and comments as well. Always first class. Appreciate it. Cheers, guys.